Whoever is listening, we are glad to have you in. My name is Grayson Mann, and this is the Man with a Plan podcast. This is episode 101, our first episode since the 100 episode special dropped two weeks ago. Sorry about the two week thing. It's just been weird with school coming back and all that. And we're kind of in a new environment. We're uh, in Tiger Vision's war room. I just want to thank Marissa, the GM, for allowing me to come here on such short notice and be able to use this room to uh, conduct an interview with a very special guest. Don Munson, the voice of Clemson sports, for those who don't know, if you've heard iconic calls from him, this is a dream to have you on, Don. Welcome to the show. Grayson, glad to be with you. Looking forward to uh, spending some time with you here, talk a little Clemson sports, Clemson football. Absolutely. So I just want to quickly ask you, uh, how did you get your start in radio? For anyone that doesn't know who Don Munson is, primarily Clemson sports, so what drew you into the profession and how has it evolved over time? Well, I started in school, just like you. I went to Appalachian State, graduated from there in 1984, was involved with the student radio station in 82, 83, and 84. So that's where I kind of got the love uh, for it. Then was real fortunate in 84, uh, I had just gotten married and two weeks, uh, about two weeks after, three weeks after uh, I was our marriage to my wife, Elizabeth, who still married to for 38 years and been dating her for 43, by the way. Um, but we were moving back to Boone. She still had another year to go at app. So we were moving back into student housing. And that night, a buddy of mine called me from the radio station there in Boone said, Hey, the sports director walked out uh, today. If you're here tomorrow, we'll introduce you to the GM station manager. And, you know, let's see where things go. Walked down there the next day, got the job. So $210 a week, baby. In 1984. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And the rest is history. When did you, uh, rest is history. and for those who don't know, Don is also the director of broadcasting at Clemson been since 2014. So he's very heavily involved in just what I want to do with what other communication students. And just, if you've heard a Clemson call, you probably are Instagram, the Clemson football, Instagram, Twitter, you probably are hearing his voice associated with play-by-play. So very familiar within the community. Let's talk about last year. I feel like that's like the giant elephant in the room that everybody wants to address for some, they want to call it a down year. And for those who are list, listening on Spotify or something, I'm using air quotes because 10 wins for most programs, they're like, man, what a year. But for Clemson, the standard, Dabo has really changed the standard and it's really evolved over time. So 10 and three was viewed as a disappointment to some. So with you calling every game, what was your thoughts, your takes? What's your analysis on last year? Yeah, finishing 10 and three and 14th in the country in the Associated Press poll. That's awful. That's just awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, was, it certainly was not the year that I think a, a lot of folks thought that, that Clemson was going to have. And, you know, you open up four and three, you're, I mean, you're one game over 500 after the first seven. There's certain, certain questions. Are you, are you going to get to that 10-win plateau uh, again? Are, you know, how are things going to finish out? And it was at that point that Coach Sweeney actually charged Ross Taylor, who is now the Sports Information Director for Football, he actually told Ross, he said, okay, from here on out, I want you to track every team uh, right now. And I want to see who finishes the best here on, you know, from this point on out. Uh, or I guess he had, I guess he was tracing the 500 teams or teams that were a game above 500. Okay. And so only Clemson and only Utah were able to win six games from that point on. And so there, there was only two teams. So I think, you know, you go back and you look at last year, certainly some disappointment, but the only reason that Clemson got to 10 wins is because of the culture that William Christopher Sweeney has built 
uh, within that program and certainly within that building. And I'm obviously very partial to him. Well, I will always be very uh, partial to him, but uh, we should feel blessed that he's the man here at, at Clemson. Yeah, and uh, something that I quickly wanted to just pop in my head is that the Cheez It Bowl, you could look at it for a guy like Andrew Booth, maybe who was projected to be a top pick in the NFL, could have walked away, could have said, Hey, I'm not going to risk it. Nobody decided to stay out. Mario Goodrich had the game of his life, put, got him a contract with the Eagles. That culture, it's continued to stick regardless of what's happening in college football, regardless of what's happening in the outside world. The Clemson football community and the culture feels like it's its own isolated bubble. Would that be kind of an accurate statement? I think it would. We played without 30 scholarship players, though, even against Iowa State because of injury or sickness or uh, whatever. COVID was still was still going around at that point in time. So uh, as it is obviously still now. But, um, you know, to think that Clemson was able to pull that off. Now, Iowa State was down some players as well. Mm -hmm. Now they had their running back. He just opted out and didn't play different culture. That's not a shot at Iowa State, but it is. It's just a it's just a different culture that wasn't going to happen at Clemson. And I don't think that it really will ever happen at Clemson. I don't think we'll ever get to that point where uh, somebody, if they're not playing in a, in a semifinal game or a, a national championship game, will decide, you know what, I'm just going to step aside here and, and not, not play with my teammates. So, you know, I just, I don't think that's the right thing. And that's, I think is what coach has instilled in his players. Yeah, absolutely. Opting out has certainly been like that trait. You really, expect those top players if they're not in the semifinal you it's almost an expectation at this point it's not surprising anybody to see maybe like Kyle Pitts for example a couple of years ago right. top five pick in the NFL sat out that cotton bowl and Florida got smoked it was just like the I think Florida had a ton of opt-outs in that game their team completely was changed and they ended up losing that game to Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler so it's just this continuing a uh, change within college football but let's talk about a uh, fall camp let's transition to that you and I've had the chance to see fall camp. I don't know how many practices you've been able to attend, but is there a player, regardless of whether what we've seen or not, is there a player that you think that nobody's really talking about or paying attention to? Is there someone on your radar that you're really fired up to see? And yeah, I don't think that that exists anymore, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. I mean, it's, there's, there's too many people out there. Social media is, I mean, believe me, there's 135 players on the team. I bet you all 135 have been mentioned some way, shape, or form mm -hmm. uh, during August camp. So I don't think there's that, there is that one player that's out there uh, anymore. Probably the most surprising player, though, right now, that is back and practicing with the team is Adam Randall. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that the big wide freshman wide receiver coming off the ACL injury back in the spring is already back out there. He's already, he's actually running with the scout teams. So he's going through drills. He's cutting, he's moving. They're going to, they're going to use the next couple of weeks here with him uh, to see how, just to kind of get him back a little bit into game shape. And then maybe against Louisiana tech, when, when uh, they come here on the 17th of September, they'll turn that beast loose and, that's probably the player that I'm really looking for because he was having such a really good spring before the injury. Yeah. It's really fascinating to me to see how that the treatment at Clemson, you look back at Fumachan last year towards Achilles, I believe in the spring of that correct uh, is uh, back in uh, September. Amari Rogers, I, I believe an ACL injury or Achilles injury, something along those lines that should be season ending. They're returning like that. And it's, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know how, what they're doing, what they're, uh, what the whole process is, but it's just crazy that the whole quick timeline and turnaround for an injury that's used to leave, it's usually associated with just a year and a season ending. Bigger, better, stronger athletes is, is really what it's, it's coming down to. Although I, I will say that I'm probably one of those that would say it's sometimes they're too big because I don't know the skeletal system 
of the human being can kind of withstand the muscle uh, buildup. Certainly, you see that with tendon in, uh, injuries and uh, you know that kind of thing. So it, it right, what's there has to be a balance. I think there has to be a balance uh, that is there. Sometimes when you when you see these guys that are only at four percent, five, six percent body fat. I just don't know that they that really that they can maintain that. Those are those are usually called quote unquote high maintenance guys, and mm -hmm. so their hamstrings, you know, will get pulled or they'll they'll the just little nagging injuries usually really get those guys. Not saying that you should be fat, not saying that, but uh, you can be in shape. But sometimes you almost get too lean. Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, I can attest to that I'm a skinny kid myself on the football field. It was like, well, it was, people would make jokes, and there's a pretty bad picture of me freshman year. It's like who's is someone feeding this kid? Like what's going on here? So it's certainly, I can, it's not on that same level, but I can very much relate to that. Um, hey, you're like a, you, you're like Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Eric McClain thought that he was, thought that he was one of the trainers and asked him to go get him some water his first year <laughs> here. So that changed a little bit. Yeah. Hunter Renfro. How about that with the NFL? That's just, that's unbelievable. He's a, uh, he's getting, earning the respect of many around the league. I never, I, I knew, no Hunter, I knew Hunter was that guy, but it certainly is picked up in the NFL. He's almost, transcended a lot of expectations yeah, he's uh he's unbelievable he's a better person than he is uh, than he is the player which is i think that everybody should should point out but not but but he's a guy that's just believed i mean he's that's one of the, again that's part of the culture here at, at clemson uh, coach when he actually brings a believe sign that he puts in front of the guys every team meeting it's it's sitting right there uh so and hunter is is the epitome of that he's always believed in himself always believed in his talent and it's certainly paying dividends right now. What he just signed up, what sixty million dollar contract? So oh not yeah, too bad. Not too bad. Nice, nice payday. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if there was a player in the country last year, and maybe you, maybe you want to counter or maybe challenge this. I don't know if there was a player that was more scrutinized last year than DJ. Uh, in the times that you've been able to talk to him since the season's ended, or what based on what you've seen, what do you think his attitude is, is toward that noise, and how excited are you to see what could be a major revenge tour for number five it's it's interesting because the two most under the spotlight players in college football last year you could argue are playing right now here in south carolina spencer rattler at south carolina's quarterback for south carolina dj uangalale here at clemson and so but there was you know dj will tell you that yeah some of it was was on him but there was also so much of it that was out of his control you know, to think that you started six different combinations in the first seven games on offensive line, you were down to three scholarship wide receivers, basically for the last three or four games of the season. At no time was every running back dressed for a game, you know, dressed for a game. There was injuries that was in the running back for uh, as well. So it was, it was kind of a, the perfect storm that, that came together, but I will tell you that it's put a big chip on this offense. And every player that's over on that offensive side wants to prove, hey, last year was an anomaly. It's it's not going to be, you know, this is not going to be the routine, that that was just an anomaly. And they're looking forward, I think, to really getting things going here, particularly Monday night in Atlanta. Yeah, the attitude certainly around Clemson football has just been that perspective and how they've kind of grown from last year and saying, hey, we can't control everything. But going through a season like that where there are a ton of challenges, whether it's in your control or out of your control, it certainly right. is – and I, DJ told me this in Charlotte, it's given him a new perspective for winning and a new appreciation. No, oh, I, I don't think there's, there's any doubt. Uh, plus there was just a lot of off field stuff. I think that 
you know, most Clemson fans will will know what I'm talking about. When you have, but when you have stuff going on in your household and between parents, that believe me, for a, a young man at the age of 19 that also has the weight of the world on his shoulders, anyhow, as a as a star quarterback for one of the top football teams in America, that that's there's a lot that was going on in in DJ's head last year. Yeah, and then you know what? He's going to be better for it because this year I'm all behind it. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see him just kind of take that next step. And I don't want to say prove everybody wrong because there is a ton of support for him out there, but just seeing it, what makes last season so special is it's going to make this season that much better and that much sweeter when they have that kind of success. Well, the best thing for him though, has been Clay, uh, Kate Klubnick and then even having Hunter Johnson here on, on mm-hmm. campus as well. I think, you know, he's getting pushed a little bit. Hunter is also a guy now in his sixth year of, of college football. So, you know, a little bit more experience. So, a kind of a sage, wise man that is that is in there, but a guy that can also play. Uh, but certainly, Klubnik's appearance uh, here in Clemson back in January when he first showed up, he became kind of the, the chatter of the town and a lot of expectations for Cade as, as well. But I think that's really helped push DJ. And sometimes when you are trying to advance in your, in your job, in your position, you need somebody behind you to push you. And he certainly has that now. Yeah, and I made a joke with uh, some of my friends. Right? Hunter Johnson's so experienced, you might as well just call him Coach Johnson yeah, at this exactly. point. Yeah. But well, that's having, why he's here. He wants to be a coach. That's yeah. why he's here. Yeah. Having that guy in the film room, too, being like, hey, this is what I see or on the sideline. Maybe I see this better. Just having that different set of eyes is going to be so helpful for any quarterback just to have that, that voice in your ear telling you, hey, I've seen this. I've been there, done that type of deal. Yeah, and he is uh, – it was funny. I was at dinner uh, – got to go to the senior dinner the other night that coach Sweeney holds at his house. And, you know, he's sitting there at the table, Hunter Johnson's the answer to a trivia question, by the way, Uh, you know, which, which Clemson quarterback minimum of at least 25 passes holds the highest completion percentage in Clemson football history. It's Hunter Johnson. He was 21 of 27 his freshman year here at Clemson. All right. That's, that's pretty cool. I actually, let's, you learn something new every day. (laughs) Um, Okay. This is going to be fun because there's a lot of great games on the schedule this year for Clemson. You could look at NC State. You can look at traveling to Notre Dame once again. Miami, the emergence of South Carolina with Spencer Rattler. If you had to predict on the schedule where Clemson could face their toughest challenge or maybe be their their toughest opponent, where would you probably foresee that and why? Well, you know, Clemson opens up now. They play four of their first five ACC games on the road. Uh, So that's, that's a little unusual. Uh, which means that it's, you know, back half heavy at home, which is, which is a good thing. But to me, I've kind of circled the game at Boston college. Uh, I, I really like uh, what, what Jeff Halfley is doing there in Chestnut Hill with the, with the program. They came in here last year and gave Clemson absolute fits. If it's not for the fumbled snap right there at the end of the game, they, they had an opportunity, uh, but weren't able to make a play and, and come up with it. Now they've lost some guys, but you know, they got quarterback returning, uh, they also have Zay Flowers back at wide receiver, a guy that's just dynamic, not just as a wide receiver, but also as a return guy. And sometimes, you know, offensively, all you need is is two or three bodies out there that can help you move the football and you are able to put points up on the board. So, And it's the red bandana game yeah. uh, as well. So if you don't know about the red bandana game, you need to Google that and find out what that's all about. So it's a big deal, a lot of emotion, a lot of a really good atmosphere will be uh, in front of Clemson when they go to, to Boston College. That's that's the game I've kind of really circled on on the schedule for me. 
Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I, I feel like I'm circling. I, I'm not going to try to circle NC State. I'm really curious to see how Notre Dame goes just because of the full circle that I feel like, and that we just talked about it with DJ, where he came out and it's not often for a freshman, regardless of who's in the stands, because it was a limited attendance in a 2020, but he had one of the best games that I've ever seen from a quarterback, just in terms of the pressure and just being thrown out there. I know he had the game against Boston College, but you go into South Bend, a Notre Dame team that made the playoffs that year and performed the way he did. I know they didn't win the game, but it was an unbelievable performance just being able to have DJ from freshman year to junior year to see where he's gone in his journey. That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, certainly you want to beat the Fighting Irish, no, no doubt about it, but it's not a conference game. Right. Uh, and so, you know, if you if that's the one where you stumble and don't win, uh, then I don't think that, that necessarily hurts you. You know, if Clemson goes through the ACC unblemished and they and they win the ACC championship, I, I think that you can expect them to be in the in the playoffs as one of the four teams that will be in the playoffs, either playing in Atlanta or, or in uh, in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. Uh, what let's talk about you just mentioned the playoffs for you personally, when you're seeing on the field. What do you think needs to happen? What does Clemson need to do to get back to the promised land, get back to the ACC championship, or as we like to call it, another Clemson championship? What do they need to do to get back? What is your most important point of emphasis? Well, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that offensively they have to play better. Uh, they have to throw the ball downfield better. They averaged just right around a little over six yards per completion last year. In years past, when they had been successful, particularly winning national championships, that number has been up and over, I think, eight and a half yards uh, per, uh, per, it's either per attempt or per completion, one of, the, one of the two. So there's no doubt that they have to be better throwing the footballs. That means a wide receiver core has to play better. They, they have to find ways to get separation. And uh, so that has to be Joseph Ngata right now needs to be the lead horse for that. He's kind of the voice that is in that room. But I, I think there's plenty of help in there. I think that uh, really excited to see what Spectre is going to bring in the slot, mm-hmm. uh, see what the Collins boys can do, both Bo and, and Dakari, uh, what is going to be Randall's impact once he does come back and, and play. And then, of course, you, you have another young freshman, Williams, that has been kind of the talk of camp at, at slot receiver, not only what he's been doing at slot receiver, but also what he's been able to do in the return game uh, as well. So, And then they're going to run the football. I mean – when you have Shipley, when you have Pace, and when you have Moffa back there, you're going to run the football. The offensive line is def- is way better at this point than it was uh, at any point really last year. To be Absolutely. Honest. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, if they can achieve a nice balance and to be like, hey, we're not going to take on an identity. We can do multiple things. We can have a game where, hey, if the running game's not working out, we can throw it. We can air it out. If the running throwing game's not working, we can run the ball with Shipley, Pace, and Moffa. If they can do different things – be unpredictable and kind of have the uh, just mystery, I guess, because you, you want defensive coordinator to be not able to sleep at night. They're like, hey, man, what are they going to do? Is, they gonna, is DJ going to rip us apart or is Shipley going to run for 150 yards? It's going to be that mystery that I think will help Clemson in the future. Well, and Shipley is a different player. All Really all three running backs are a different player than mm-hmm. they were at this point last year. But Shipley in particular, I mean, most practices that I've been to, Shipley has broken two or three big plays in, in every practice. So, when you have that kind of back that can, you know, all of a sudden you hand the ball off and he's gone 30 yards, he may go 70 yards. You know, that, that's the difference maker and, and kind of explosive, uh, explosive promise that you want at running back. And he's been giving Clemson that. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see exactly how Brandon Streeter dials all this up as, as the new offensive coordinator. 
Yeah, and speaking of Streeter and uh, Goodwin just as coordinators, I think that uh, I, I asked Wes about it on Wednesday with the availability, just how that the value of having that game against Iowa State. Because most coordinators, when they're hired, it's in January, February. They're having to kind of learn as they go, but they've been here for a while. They've been within this program, and they have that game day experience in a very high-stake setting, like a bowl game. So very excited to see what they can bring to the table. Really excited about Wes Goodwin. He was uh, making the he was cracking jokes with the media yesterday. Very, very interested to see how it goes. What are your expectations for the two of them? Yeah, I, I think the Iowa State game really was important for really the entire staff, to be honest with you. When you had as, as much as much left, particularly over the defensive side of the football left, but do you still go into that Iowa State game and figure out a way to to win that game and really kind of smothered Iowa State defensively? Uh, so I, I think that it was big. It was, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you hate to say a test run for this year, but it kind of really was a test run for, for what we're going to be seeing this year. But I, I have no doubt that Wes is going to be extraordinarily successful uh, here. I understand everybody questioning him, uh, but I've been around Wes a long, long, long time uh, here at Clemson. When I started on staff with, with coach 20 and 10, I think it was the next year that, that, uh, that Wes came on board. So it was, uh, this guy is, is a guy that, I mean, he's, he has a, a mind where he sees something and it just read, it's like a photographic memory it just registers in his mind. Uh, so I think that that helps him obviously as a defensive coordinator, uh, making adjustments on the fly. And certainly there are going to be situations where he does not make the correct call, but you know, 97% of the time, I think that he is going to make the, the correct call. Brent Venables didn't always make the correct call. I mean, he didn't. It oh. just it, it didn't always happen uh, that way. So, um, and and Wes has learned from good people. I mean, he's been not just Brent, but he's been around Ellis Johnson, who, if you know college football, Ellis, a tremendously successful defensive coordinator, uh, and he's you know been around other guys as well. Served in the NFL. Bruce Arians was was right there at Bruce Arians' hip for all those years in Arizona with the Cardinals. So. He's he has the makeup to to take care of business over there on the on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Really, it's going to be an exciting year. There's a lot of new pieces, but there's also a lot of old pieces. Really looking forward to it with Clemson football. Let's transition to outside the Clemson world for a little bit before we wrap up. I want to get for you when you're looking at other teams. What is maybe a storyline or maybe a player or coach that you're really besides Clemson football really excited to see? Is it Brett Venables at Oklahoma? Is it maybe like we mentioned Spencer Rattler as the in-state? Rival QB, there's so many moving parts that took place in the uh, in the winter and the spring. So there's a lot to talk about for sure. But if there's one storyline or something you could pick out, what would that be? Oh, I, I, I'm probably going to go with the storyline that probably every college football fan is, has its eyes on the most. And that is what's next. What, what is next? There's going to be further. There's going to be further teams jumping ship to one league or or another. Or is it going to be that the, the networks themselves are going to renegotiate contracts and, and all of a sudden, but they're at some point in time, there's going to be 65 to 80 schools that are going to split off from the NCAA. If you don't think that's coming, I think you're just blind. It's, it's coming. Mm-hmm. They will form their own governance body and they will have championships in every sport. Now in football, I would expect it to advance on to probably an 18 playoff to begin with. And then maybe it rolls to, to 12 or 16. That's probably about as large as I've, as I would see it getting. Um, but then they'll have their own championships in basketball where every team is, is eligible. They'll have their own championships in softball, uh, baseball. You, you name the sport, they're going to have their own championship. 
uh, in it. And if, uh, I was talking with a guy today, and I, I've heard this number that television right now figures that with the way that things are right now, that they're losing about $125 million a year with the Oof. way that things are right now. Wow. So you can understand their want to push it and make something happen. Uh, so it will become the haves against the have-nots. But yeah. I'm a big believer. Listen, um, I'm, I believe in capitalism. <laughs> and there's no reason that a $10 million company should tell a $100 million company what to do. Uh, there's just no reason uh, for that. So it'll be interesting to see what does play out over the next, you know, several months and it may it may take a year uh it may take two years but something's going to happen and clemson will be a part of that they will have a seat at the table and they will be part of this uh you can bet on that yeah they they don't certainly don't want to get left behind but i don't think tv like you mentioned those television rights having clemson as one of their marketing brands when as a team as a whole they're going to want to bring them along for the ride so it's just a matter of not if but when when it happens so Really, it's exciting. College football, there's a lot of mystery, but there's also a lot of intrigue, curiosity. There's a lot to look forward to. Well, and I think we get caught up in, you know, saying all this is being driven by college football. It's not. It's, it's not being mm. just driven by college football. I mean, college men's basketball pays a lot of bills. <laughs> it pays mm -hmm. a lot of bills, uh, for, particularly like for the NCAA. It's, their, it's the chief thing. More than 90% of their revenue is generated out of that NCAA men's basketball tournament. So they understand uh, there, but I, I think that NCA leadership has has failed to be perfectly honest with you. And I think in the end, it's going to cost them. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a very that's a pretty fair assessment to be honest with you, uh, Don. Who this is this? We're just going to start getting into a little more rapid fire just before we wrap up. A couple more fun questions. Uh, is there a current Heisman favorite that you have right now? Is it somebody on Clemson? Let's. Uh, I don't want to uh, get you in any trouble, but no. I, I mean, I don't. I don't pay it because how often have we seen here in the last, particularly like three years, somebody will come out of the gates first three, four weeks of the season, give him the Heisman right now, just give him the Heisman right now. And that person is nowhere to be seen once that thing is handed out in December there in New York city. So um, I don't pay really a whole lot of attention to that. Let's just watch the, watch the kids play. Let's, let's watch them go uh, and have fun with it. We'll find out who, who the best players are in college football. I prefer, I would personally like to see a defensive guy kind of rise up and be in the run uh, for something like that. You know, this really has become a quarterback or, or running back uh, driven kind of trophy. But again, chicks dig the long ball. Everybody loves offense and I get it. Yeah. Will Anderson's beginning a lot of a chatter as yeah. potentially that yeah. next guy to win the Heisman, but we'll, like you said, they usually appear out of nowhere and they just, it's that most appetizing story that usually drives the conversation. Uh, Don, if you had the opportunity to call a game or call for any type of a team or league or sport, if you had the opportunity to sign a contract, be like, Hey, I want to call commentate for this team that is in Clemson. Who would that be? It could be any sport, any league. Well, I guess if it'd be any sport, any league in, in my profession, in the professional uh, profession, I would say the voice of the New York Yankees would be probably difficult yeah. to be. I, I, I would say that, that would certainly be, be up there or even the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers just because of everything that comes with being in LA mm -hmm. and the exposure uh, that you could possibly get so those would be two I would say the voice of the Dallas Cowboys would be a would be a ton of fun you know to be the voice of quote-unquote America's team so those would be the teams <laughs> those would be the teams all right 
in your time calling games for Clemson, what besides it can be Tampa, it can be uh, any of those big memorable games. What is the most memorable game that you have called in your career? Well, I always tell people, excuse me, didn't mean to call up on you. Oh, you're good. This is being 60, this being an old man. <laughs> um, I will tell you that probably my most memorable call uh, was actually in the baseball stadium here at Clemson in 2010. Tyler Colvin's grand slam home run over Oral Roberts. It was a walk-off grand slam. And the reason I say that is because it was the only time that I, since my tenure here at Clemson, I did this at App State as well, was a play-by-play voice at, at App uh, there. But here at Clemson was the only time that I had my dad sitting on my left-hand side and my mother sitting on my right-hand side in the booth with me. Oh, wow. So That's awesome. That was from that, and they're both gone now. Uh, my father passed away in 12 and my mother passed away last year. So that personally, for me, just because of the, uh, obviously the, the family ties and the relationships is, is the biggest thing uh, for me. Then after that, I would, I would probably say the, the game in Tampa in 16 certainly was thrilling. And, but I was, I probably took more satisfaction out of the 18 game oh, yeah. in, in, in San Jose. Uh, and the, just because of the way that it was done, because nobody, nobody was giving Clemson a chance. That was supposedly the greatest Alabama team, the greatest football team of all time. And Clemson was a double-digit underdog, as a matter of fact, going into that game. And yep. to see Clemson rise up and smash Alabama, and to this day, and I, and I get it, I wear orange-colored glasses, and I get it. And so I'm, I'm biased that way, but to this day, I still don't feel like that team gets the recognition that it, that it deserves the first team to ever go 15 and 0 um, and to destroy Alabama the, the way that they did uh, was was pretty remarkable yeah I, I remember being in that game and I remember looking at uh, Clemson fans that were in that little section going there's nothing more satisfying that I'll ever see than seeing a <laughs> sea of crimson just leaving the stadium well and it, def- it was unbelievable I've never seen anything like it and to take the ball at the two-yard line or one-yard line, when it was, and run out the clock in, in 10 minutes. They took the last 10 minutes off the clock and took a knee inside the 10-yard line. They could have scored more on, yep. on Alabama. Matter of fact, I was cheering for them to throw it to Will Sweeney. Let's let's get him a touchdown in the game. So I was I was egging that on, but it didn't happen. Uh, it's it, it's all good. Uh, before we wrap up, I did get a last-minute question. Um, Gary McDaniel wanted me to ask you about Jim no. Phillips and what he meant to you. Yeah, Gary's my boss, so he's a very okay. interesting uh, – he wanted me to ask you about Jim Phillips and what he's meant to you in terms of the uh, play-by-play and the voice of Clemson sports. What, what was his legacy mean to you? Uh, his legacy means everything uh, to me. I tell people this all the time. I say this all the time at speaking engagements. I'm, I'm not the voice of the Clemson Tigers. I'm just the play-by-play guy here at Clemson, and I'm occupying Jim Phillips' chair. Jim will always be the voice of the Tigers for 35 years he did it, and he did it with all of his heart and soul from 1968 until his untimely death in, in 2003. Um, but I'm, you know, he meant quite a bit to me, particularly like the last three or four years of his life. Matter of fact, the day that he passed away, uh, I had lunch with him that that day. Uh, me and another another guy that was probably his best friend, a guy named Roger Berry. The three of us had had lunch together, and Roger actually called me the night that everything went wrong when. Jim suffered an aortic aneurysm and uh, was rushed off to the hospital. And then he passed away early in the morning the, the next day. Uh, but no, Jim, Jim will always be the voice of the Tigers as, as far as I'm concerned. He should always be revered that way. Uh, I know there's still a lot of Clemson folks that, 
that look at him that way, and and he should. I hope that I don't think I'll be here 35 years. I'll be way too old. I'd be 80. <laughs> I'd be 85. I think by the time that that would happen. But you know, I hope that I can have a a good long run, and I hope that people appreciate the the work that I do. And 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 maybe at some point in time there will be somebody, maybe you, uh, that's <laughs> sitting in this chair. And you know, I'm just I'm just a play by play. You know, uh, Jim Phillips and Don Munster will will be the guys that the standard has been set for here at, at Clemson. But uh, you know, Jim was just an extraordinarily close friend. And uh, we all miss him dearly. We're coming up on the anniversary of his death, as a matter of fact, not too, not too distant future. Yeah, well, whoever takes your uh, position, Don's got big shoes to fill for sure. So the- uh, not, maybe, not quite yet. I haven't, I haven't been here long enough to, to do that. Hopefully I've got a, a few more in me. I'd like to see a few more national championships. I kid Eli Gold all the time, the play-by-play voice at at Alabama, he's got, I think he's got seven national oh, wow. championships, something like that. So I'm go. two and two in national championship games. I, I'd like to make it three and two, though, after this year. Fingers crossed. So yeah. to make it three and two, what, what, like, what, like we've said before, Clemson wins the national championship, but why? Well, I think you got to be fortunate. You got to be healthy. Uh, I think that we've seen both that happen with both teams in 16 and 18 is that you were relatively healthy uh, throughout the year. But, I, you know, I think that you that you have to play good defense because this is particularly once you get to the playoffs. Once you get to the playoffs, you have to score points. You mm-hmm. have to score points. So if you have a defense that can limit that, uh, that I think that that really helps. But that also means that you have to have, see the offense grow as the season goes along and be a threat, not only a threat in just throwing the football or running the football, but you have to be a threat consistently across the board. And then it's, you know, this is the other thing is that you had to play really well, usually in special teams. Uh, you, you generally had to play well in special teams. BT Potter, for instance, needs to have an exceptional year as a field goal kicker and a kickoff guy. Uh, yeah. So you need to hit you know, what can happen in the return game. You know, Clemson needs to be a, a bigger threat in the return game. They, they need to pop some. Uh, so we'll see if that if that happens. Yeah, three points. Uh, flashbacks of the Kenyon Drake return yeah. in the 25th, the first and see that to me, yeah. everybody points to the onside kick. Uh, uh-uh. it was Drake's return that all of a sudden, you know, Clemson was was up what three or four points, and then yep. Drake's return, and all of a sudden you're down three again or down four, whatever it was, uh, and it just you know switched the entire momentum. It wasn't necessarily the onside kick as much as it was Drake's return. Yeah, it, it's it's just the way the game goes. Well, yep. Learning from that kind of stuff and building on that is hopefully what we'll see in uh, 2022. So looking forward to that, uh, Don. Thank you so much for joining the show, man. That is episode 101 of the Man With a Plan podcast. Guys, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or leaving a five-star review to let us know that you enjoyed the show or this interview with uh, Don Munson, a Clemson icon. Don, you got anything to add before we uh, wrap up here? No, enjoy the season uh, and enjoy every game of it. Enjoy it, particularly if you're coming to the home games, you get seven of them and come on out and support the Tigers in each and every one of them. It's the best atmosphere in all the college football. There's no doubt. Yep. And this was the episode interview with Don Munson. Guys, thank you as always. Have a fantastic weekend. College football starts. Enjoy it. Thank you, guys. Take care.